you build it, he will come. People will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. That's my favorite line from Field of Dreams. But what if you can't build it? It came out to a $700,000, almost a million dollar order. And they needed them to be about $10 a car, and I could not figure out how to get them below $25 a car. Or what if they don't come? The Google Glass, people started using it out in public and stuff like that, and uh, quickly were scorned as being what were described as glass holes. Um, My understanding is they, they pulled it from the market. Lean Startup offers a different approach. But is it really a thing? Or is it just academics hyping the scientific method? This show is all about separating hype from fundamental change. I'm Paul Jarley, Dean of the College of Business here at UCF. I've got lots of questions. To get answers, I'm talking to people with interesting insights into the future of business. Have you ever wondered, is this really a thing? On to our show. This is how significant businesses started back in the day. What we were, I would just say, required to do as an entrepreneur with VCs, uh, with trying to get uh, maybe economic development funds. And this was in the biotech space. That's Dr. Michael Pape, professor of practice here in the College of Business and director of our Upstarts program. So it was a Mm -hmm. tech-oriented businesses that I've been involved in. Uh, Was right the business plan. Mm -hmm. And I have sat down myself and with my teams of writing the 40 to 60 page business plan. The fat startup, if I may define it that way, um, had you do that, the venture capitalists would, would request it and they would want to make sure that you, they, you saw the plan from beginning to end. Then a funny thing happened starting in the early 1990s. Universities started to develop entrepreneurship programs. They did this partly to serve their economic development missions, partly because donors love to give money to this cause, and partly because more and more students became interested in entrepreneurship as a career path. In the early 1990s, IDEO spun out of Stanford with an emphasis on design thinking. Another decade passed, and Berkeley started developing what has come to be known as Lean Startup. It had a coming out party in 2011 with the publication of Eric Ryle's book by the same name. But are universities and business schools really the place to launch business startups? I have my doubts. We excel at getting rule followers great jobs in companies who are looking for functional talent. We really aren't geared up to help people who want to color outside the lines, pursue their crazy dreams, even when people say they're wrong. That said, a quarter of my students say they want to start a business, and students seem to love the lean startup methodology. Cameron Ford, director of our Center for Entrepreneurial Leadership, has a pretty obvious reason why. Our students love the lean approach because, of course, they don't have any resources. <laughs> so, <laughs> Simply put, they're broke. But what exactly is Lean Startup? And what are its challenges? That's how I started my business. We're going to take you on a journey with this guy. Uh, lean Startup, you know, bootstrapping 101, that's, that's where great businesses, in my opinion, come from. Because people that start off with too much funding usually have an issue staying on course. When your back's against the wall is when I feel you think the fastest, the brightest, the quickest, and you become the most resourceful. When you have too much money, you tend to get lackadaisical, in my opinion. That, my friends, is Jesse Wolf, CEO and founder of Odang Hummus, and quite frankly, a soundbite machine. We run a very uh, successful, thriving business, and people are like, oh, where's your Lamborghini? I'm like, someone else's hands because I'm dumping all my money back into the, the business, you know? Now let's follow Jesse's startup story. A startup isn't the same as a company. Back to Cameron Ford. 
It's not, a, it's not a miniature version of a company. It's actually a vehicle for remaining humble, viewing all of your uh, ideas as hypotheses, and going out and collecting data to uh, validate or invalidate these things and move forward. It's and, a product development process. Well, right? so it's more really, than a, I would say it's more of an uncertainty reduction process because okay. it's not just about the product. It's also about mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of three elements to building a company. You've got to have you know, conceptual you know, kind of stuff put together. You have to have social stuff put together, people, right? And then you have to ha- actually invest in material resources. Interestingly, Jesse got started in exactly the way Mike Pape described, except he didn't have investors. I had a, a business plan uh, writing class with Professor Michael O'Donnell. And, uh, you know, he told us we had to come up with a business plan idea. And I didn't want to be part of a team that wrote for another bar concept. So I had this idea after having my wisdom teeth pulled out uh, for a Ben and Jerry style hummus company. And when I started writing the business plan for it, I realized there was this massive gap in that market. Um, it was almost a billion dollar category and there was one big contender really monopolizing it. And, you know, it was really primed for competition to come in. Jesse had a plan, but no product. So he got busy with the help of his grandmother. I actually started ordering hummus with about 150 bucks. My grandmother gave me a food processor, you know, so that was the freebie. And, uh, and the rest of it was honestly just ingredients and some labels from like a little local printer that hooked me up. Jesse had created what we call a minimum viable product or MVP. Cameron Ford says it's really important to have a prototype. Because you give them something tangible. Um, I always like to tell people, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. A prototype is worth like a thousand pictures. You know, you get something that people can uh, literally see and put their hands on. That's uh, very tactile. Uh, that often will advance the, the conversation and the imagining mm-hmm. process forward a lot. You could do more than just touch Jesse's prototype. You could taste it. And it was yummy. And that was the basis. You know, it got me in front of people getting a taste testing and samples. And then when it came time uh, to really launch the product to start selling it, I entered the UCF business plan competition called the Joust. Rather than seek out a network of advisors that could help Jesse grow his business, he went straight for the financial kill. In retrospect, Jesse realizes this may have been the biggest mistake he made. Not getting more people around me quicker in that space was a bit of a hindrance. I, I think starting a new business is, is sort of like wading into the ocean with waves crashing around you and currents pulling you this way and that. Donna McKenzie is executive director of Starter Studio. She thinks Jesse waited way too long. How early does that need to start, that mentorship and guidance? Day one. Jesse didn't win the joust and the big money that came with it. In fact, he finished third. I took third place in that. And I'm proud of that. That's always <laughs> the path to success oh, in the jobs. Yeah, always yeah, finishes always third. third. Third place is the winning spot. It's not first. It's not second. It's third. The money's in third. The money's in the third. Yeah. <laughs> you lost to women who wanted to pee in a cup. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I lost to a female <laughs> urination cup. So that's one of my greatest prides thus far leaving UCF. Um, but yeah, I took that prize money. You know, it was about four thousand dollars. And again, I launched a, now our multi-million dollar business with. $4,150. But in fairness from that day, because yeah. I remember that day really well. So do I. <laughs> um, I can imagine you do. I don't think anybody there believed you didn't have a killer product. I think they thought you couldn't make any money at it. Yeah, agreed. Understand that Jesse isn't the kind of guy who takes no for an answer. He decided to double down instead. Next stop, the real shark thing. Hello, sharks. My name is Jesse Wolf. I'm a UCF student from Orlando, Florida, and my company, So Dang Hummus. Today, we're seeking $50,000 for 10% equity stake in my hummus empire. Jesse got his offer from the Sharks, 
but they took way too long with their due diligence. In the meantime, Publix came knocking. What's surprising here is they didn't want Jesse's traditional hummus. They wanted his hummus-based salad dressing. So he signed a deal, found a packager, and had to scale up production without sacrificing quality. We're doing truckloads of chickpeas at a time right now, but it's the same exact quality and consistency. As a matter of fact, where you still as using- As what came out of your blender, as right? That's the, the tough blender. part, right? The, the toughest thing yeah. I've had to bridge. Problem was, Publix didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know where to put that product. Exactly, exactly. So where I would always find it is near the deli, yep. kind of by where the rest of the hummus was, but not really. Not really. It was like by the, like the gourmet mustards <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, this is and, random. Yeah. And I knew right away. I thought, well, that's a problem. Yeah, it was a huge problem. <laughs> and we called it a sauce. We let like, you yeah. know, people call, convince us to call it a sauce. It was so jacked up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again... But it was such a good learning lesson because we repivoted to what I mean. It's always been a dressing, yeah. You know, so we relabeled it a dressing. We fixed the formulation. We listened to our fans, and we delivered a product that's bar none phenomenal. Since that time, Jesse has had more than his fair share of struggles. Never giving up. There's so many times that I look back, thought we were dead, and I stepped one more step. He's fixed his mentoring deficiencies. But where I'm at today, I have very strategic, very specific mentors that are in the food space that know packaging, that know consumer product goods. These are people that are really helping me thrive in my space. Not all mentors are created equal. And he doesn't panic the way that he used to. I don't burn everything down around me trying to, you know, freak out. I just step back and I go, here, here it is, right? You know, here we have another problem. Instead of panicking and pointing fingers at whose fault it is, What's the solution? And he is definitely a man who knows his value proposition. Listen to his pitch to Costco. So, you know what I did is I walked in and I put a plate of a salad down, a really beautiful salad. And I said, here's one salad. And I put a second plate down. I said, here's another salad. And I took a bottle of canola oil that you cook with. Mm -hmm. And I poured it all over top of this lettuce. Mm -hmm. And I took a bottle of water, bottle of water, and I poured it all over the top of this lettuce. And then I took a about a cup and a half of sugar, and I poured it on top of that salad. And then I took mine, and I put chickpeas, beautiful, you know, fresh-cooked chickpeas. I put fresh-squeezed lemon juice on it, put on the side, and I put beautiful extra virgin olive oil. And I put a fork right between the two plates. And I said, now, I want to ask you, which salad would you like to eat? Our food system in America is broken. We're the only salad dressing in the United States to gain national distribution, being 100% plant-based. Priced, completely competitive, to the big guys. We're not a $10 salad dressing. We're in Walmart at $3.79. No doubt about it. Jesse is a wonderful UCF success story. But is he typical? Does lean startup work everywhere? Or do other kinds of companies face other kinds of challenges? There are companies that failing fast is better for them. I say sometimes it is. Caroline Dykes-Logue is site manager for the UCF incubator program. She stresses the difficulty a lot of high-tech companies have in implementing the Lean Startup approach. It's very difficult to apply the Lean Startup methodology many times. I'm working with very bleeding-edge technology innovation companies where the first question really is, can we make the technology work? That takes money, sometimes lots of it. Then there's the challenge of getting technologically-oriented minds to focus on the value added to the customer. Here's a recent conversation with one of her clients. And I kept asking him, tell me what you think the, is the most, what's the benefit of this technology that you are in the process of developing? 
throw something at me that was really a technical capability, I would come back to, why should I care about that? How's it going to help me? Tell me how it's going to help me. A lot of times I use analogies and turn the tables on them and ask them, all right, share with me a recent buying experience that you had. Tell me what went through your head. And they can pretty clearly tell you that. Mm -hmm. And then they go, oh, I see now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't really care how it does what it does necessarily. I cared that it does what I need done. For students, finding the right people to talk to can be challenging when they want to validate their ideas. Back to Cameron Ford. Well, I think in the early part of the process we're working on with most students, uh, I think for them it's very intimidating to think about going out and talking to a bunch of people about their idea. The thing is they just don't know that many people that can connect them to the kind of folks that would be relevant to speak to. It's one thing if they're talking about, hey, I'd like to you know, open up a food truck that'll pull up here on campus and serve sandwiches to students. I well, mean, then you can go around campus and talk to students, right? So that's who you're trying to sell it to. But if you're trying to do something that might help uh, the elderly or something like that, and you need to go out and talk to 50 or 60 people, where, where are you going to find those folks? You know, how are you going to conduct these interviews? That part of the process can be pretty daunting if you're a student trying to go and really do the lean startup process kind of the way it's supposed to be done. Even when you find the right people to talk to, Donna McKenzie says that the discovery process can lead to conflicting information, and it can be hard to sort out without experienced mentors. Oh, that's the tricky part. You know, you get so much feedback and it's sometimes hard to discern whether this is the right direction or that's the right direction. Just giving them the tools, but not giving them the guidance and the mentorship to kind of sort through all of that. I think that's really where you get that analysis by paralysis and it's hard to get unstuck from there. And if you skip this step, things can get ugly. Uh, Don't start organizing your resources and your people before you get your story straight. Because if you do that, you're going to cause a lot of harm. A lot of things aren't going to work out. Uh, You're going to burn a lot of bridges. People lose confidence in you. Right. And according to Mike Pape, there's a lot more to creating a company than the lean startup process contemplates. An investor is going to ask you, you want $400,000. What are you going to spend that on? Well, you have to justify the use of funds. And ping it, pong tables probably yeah, aren't, aren't going to be it, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and a big salary yeah, right. is not going to go. <clears throat> Dr. Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something to that. So you need to have a strong, long-term financial plan. So the fi- with the financial modeling, the first thing you need to do is you have to establish what are and what I call and try to convey value generating milestones mm-hmm. not just milestones but value generating to accomplish each of those milestones and they be value generating because they can create an inflection let's say yeah. a value for the company they can move the needle per the se hockey stick, the right. hockey stick yeah. stick and but then there's a cost associated with hitting each of those milestones mm-hmm. and the investor wants to know how much it will cost to hit that milestone, which is the basis for your budget, which you then transfer to a spreadsheet, which is your pro forma budget, which is your financial Mm -hmm. model. Mm -hmm. And if that cash balance gets below zero and is red, I ask, do you have a company? (laughs) (laughs) No. It's time to call the question, is Lean Startup really a thing? From Donna McKenzie.
Yes, it's really a thing. And um, I think it's really a thing because it gives you a framework from which to build out of uncertainty because building a business is full of uncertainty. From Michael Pape. I think lean startup is a thing where you can be nimble and adjust to the pace of change. From Cameron Ford. Yes, it's a thing. It's made people understand how to evolve their ideas into fitness. From Carol Ann Dykes Logue. Sometimes it is. There are companies that failing fast is better for them. From that hummus king, Jesse Wolf. 100%. Yes, I do. It's my podcast, so I get to go last. Reducing uncertainty by employing hypothesis testing in the scientific method is hugely appealing to academics. It's how we think, but any good thoughtful researcher knows the limits of such work, especially when you're trying to understand how people behave. It's why having experienced mentors is so important in startups. It can augment science with experience and increase the likelihood of success. If I were looking for a school to help me start a business, I would want to know much more about their network of experienced mentors than their grasp of frameworks like Lean Startup. Management research can be kind of trendy, and something will eventually replace Lean Startup as the darling theory of the day. But building a strong network of advisors that can help navigate you through uncertainty is never going to go out of style. What do you think? Check us out online and share your thoughts at business.ucf.edu slash podcast. You can also find extended interviews with our guests and notes from the show. Special thanks to my producer, Josh Miranda, and the whole team at the Office of Outreach and Engagement here at the UCF College of Business. And thank you for listening. Until next time, charge on. Internet killed the video star.